Let's talk about ethical behaviour and integrity. At the college, we are very, very keen to treat everyone and um, all of our students and learners with the highest levels of respect and integrity. So honesty and ethical behaviour really is at the heart of everything that we do as a college. And of course, when we think about professional and personal life, um, it is just a really wholesome, decent way to both treat ourselves and also those who we encounter. So in this session, we're going to explore some of the ways that we can bring bring ethical behaviour and integrity into our everyday uh, lives, both professionally and personally. And interestingly, as we delve into the realms of ethical behaviour and integrity, we, we've really got to remember that actually we don't really need rules. Albert Schweitzer said, integrity has no need of rules. In other words, once you establish this as a set of behaviours, as a really good habit in everyday, <coughs> excuse me, in everyday living, then there's really no need to really sort of practice this or do things in a, um, a different way each and every day, because it becomes part of actually who we are. So that's what we're going to be looking at here. Can we create these really, really good habits? Can we create processes, systems, ways of working? And, and actually, if we do a deeper dive, ways of thinking in a really ethical and highly integral way in our everyday living. So let's understand how we can begin to integrate this concept of integrity uh, into the very fabric of our organizations, be they large or small. So in today's session, what we're going to be looking at are the, de the definitions, really, of ethical behaviour and integrity. So we'll kind of really explore what we mean by these words, particularly important if you're having to influence or train somebody else in these topics. We'll look at the importance of ethics in business and we'll look to build an ethical organisation, both in terms of strategies, but also leadership styles, which, of course, flow over and into the things like culture and actually getting the right processes and systems to be able to keep the ethics and the integrity of the organisation. <coughs> Excuse me again. Um, keep those things really live within the business or the organization that we have in every day, in every sense. We're going to look at a couple of really interesting case studies, one very positive one and one partic particularly negative one uh, where an organization who got it completely and utterly wrong, uh, really exposed themselves to some of the, um, the darker sides, if you like, uh, to this particular debate. And then we'll explore some of the tools and resources available for ethical practice, how you set this up and actually how you then um, begin to sort of integrate this into your organization. But let's begin really from the beginning. Let's define ethical behavior and integrity. So what is ethical behavior? Well, in many ways, it's the expression of personal values in a professional context. The expression of personal values in a professional context. In other words, knowing yourself, knowing your purpose, knowing the kind of value that you bring to the world, um, both on a personal level, but also, if you think about this as a collective in your organization, at a collective level of agreed and shared values, bringing those together 
and ex- expressing those, demonstrating those, uh, giving those to both customers and wider stakeholders at all times. That's ethical behavior. It's the expression of the collective values in a professional context. And how does that differ from integrity? Well, integrity is the consistency of the actions, the values, the methods, the measures, the principles, the expectations and the outcomes. In other words, it's the consistency of ethical behavior. So you can set up an ethical behavior model or you can set up expectations of being ethical, but integrity is the rollout of those things. Integrity is the way that you then behave. It's how it manifests. So by setting up ethical behavior, principles and expectations, the integrity then is how you roll that out, how you deliver that, how that manifests in the eyes of the people you serve. So ethics, according to Potter Stewart, is knowing the difference between what you have a right to do and what is right to do. That's an interesting one. Think about that. Ethics is knowing the difference between what you have a right to do and what is right to do. So we're going to be exploring here as we go through this, some of the deeper, more sort of you know, nuanced angles of both ethical behavior and also integrity. So setting up processes, setting up some systems, training people, getting people to agree to this as a way of working, as a way of being within a professional context, not just setting the sights on a stated mission or a stated goal, and then it gathers dust. This is something that has to be a living and breathing entity within your organization to be able to work so that you can say, we behave ethically. Yes, we have integrity. And yes, we deliver that in all senses of the word to every stakeholder. And it's really, really important in business. Ethics really is right at the heart of good business practice. It is part of how we kind of convey who we are, the values that we have, our higher purpose, our vision and our mission, our marketing communications. And in fact, everything that we do and say and use and communicate with our stakeholders, ethics is the foundation of trust in building a business relationship with everybody that we serve or work with. So this goes right the way through our supply chain or our value chain. This is not just about how we communicate internally. Well, it is that, but it's also about how we communicate with customers and pretty much every other stakeholder who we're working with. And trust and reputation is at the core of this. And of course, we know that can potentially be a differentiator because you could be a higher more more highly reputable organization. You could be a more trustworthy organization than the competition. And that sets you apart. So there's a real competitive angle here, competitive advantage of getting this right. And it will start to influence your long-term success, much as things like sustainability, things like your commitment to innovation, things like your commitment to a vision and a higher purpose. Ethics in business will help to sustain your long-term success. Organizations exhibiting a clear commitment to ethical conduct consistently outperform companies that do not display ethical conduct. This is a a deep um, piece of research that was done by the Ethisphere Institute, and it showed that ethical companies, companies who can 
set up processes, systems, and cultures that are more ethical than others, and then demonstrate this ethical behavior through being, you know, high levels of integrity, these ethical companies outperform the market average by over 10%. So that's not necessarily that they're selling more product and service. They are just doing what they do in a more ethical way. So this gets really interesting because, you know, in these really, really competitive times, you know, the economy is not necessarily serving every organization in every sector right now. It is tough out there in certain sectors and markets. But this is under your control. This is something that gives you choice. If you're in a commercial environment and you're not behaving ethically, you are going to be underperforming against the market average. But if you are ethical, instantly you're going to be outperforming your competitors. So that's a really interesting take. And this piece of research is a, a reliably and uh, you know, widely quoted Forbes, for example, um, have done a report called um, The Ethical Companies Perform Better Financially. Um, and when Forbes say it, you can kind of listen and think that this is there could be something in this. So it's really important stuff. This is not just a nice to do. It's an almost must do now in this kind of a market environment. So how do you do it? Here we've had a bit of a definition, a little bit of a uh, kind of a sort of waving the flag for ethical business and uh, integrity. But how do you actually build an ethical organization? Well, a lot of people believe that it will come from the top. Ethics is driven by leadership. Um, you can argue that ethics can kind of you know, proliferate around an organization and come in literally from any angle. But a lot of the research is pointing in the direction that it comes from the top. And so leadership has a very significant role in fostering an ethical culture. So we need to, just by very simple virtue of this um, very, very simple phrase, lead by example. So if we are in any position of influence or uh, more senior management, we have an opportunity here to lead by example. So if we demonstrate integrity, if we are honest and true, if we have ethical behavior as one of our key kind of values and, and behavioral traits, this will have a very positive knock-on effect to everyone around us. So leaders' actions, not just what they say, but actually how they behave and act, will set the tone for ethical behavior within the organization. And of course, if you think then more broadly, that also in turn has a spin-off benefit to all stakeholders because often, you know, in our organization, we are leading, for instance, our suppliers. Uh, often in certain markets, we could be leading our customers. So we have a leadership role, even though we might not be defined as a leader, we might be in a supportive role, but we're probably also leading others. So just the, the word leadership doesn't imply senior management or C-suite. It is all of us, really, because all of us in some way lead others. So by leading by example, by setting the tone for ethical behavior, by kind of you know, giving out what you wish to receive back, we're setting a really solid foundation here. Um, Norman Schwarzkopf, the uh, very well-known uh, military uh, general said, leadership is a potent combination of strategy and character. But if you must be without one, be without strategy. And that's a really interesting thing when the military starts saying that character is everything. You know, you can build strategy, you can figure the strategy out, but without the right kind of character, i.e. an ethical kind of stance here, 
it's very, very hard to be successful. It's very, very hard to take the right steps forward in the organization. So it begins with leadership. So how does that look? Again, we need to kind of get to the next level of detail. So ethical leadership, how does this look? Well, there are many, many models, and I just want to share with you five ways that ethical leaders can demonstrate ethical behavior. And also, at the heart of all of this, once you start behaving in this kind of way, you start to be using these elements or these modules to make ethical decisions. It becomes part of who you do. It becomes part of the fabric of decision-making of leaders within the organization. So let's just look at some of these. Respecting others. You know, you could argue, well, these are very, very obvious things, but actually if you break them down, you're going to be stronger or less strong with certain areas here. So there, there is a potential here for looking at ways of trying to provide evidence of how you're doing this. Or if you were coaching a leader, for example, get them to provide the evidence of, well, when was the last time you did this particular um, module? When was the last time you, you know, demonstrated respect of others, you know, actively demonstrated it, you know, not just feeling it inside, but behaving in this kind of way? And when was the last time you helped to build community and however you'd like to define that? Because an ethical leader will build community, community spirit, community purpose, community focus and prioritization. All of these things come through as part of ethical leadership, clearly demonstrating honesty. But it isn't just about being honest. It's being very practically honest as well. That's also really important. Not necessarily just being soft and just being very, um, you know, sort of easy to uh, to mold, but showing justice. Sometimes an ethical leader will need to be very firm, very, very clear and very, very strong. So ethical leadership doesn't mean just necessarily, you know, being gentle. It could be meaning being gentle in certain circumstances, but showing justice might be just showing a real clarity of thought, a clarity of decision making. An ethical leader is somebody who weighs up, almost like a judge, you could argue, the pros and cons of a situation, the negatives and the positives, the opportunities and the threats, and makes an ethical decision based on the information presented in a very just kind of way, but demonstrating that justice. So justice isn't just in a court of law. It's being about balanced. It's being um, very thoughtful and mindful over the decision making that's going on. And ethical leaders also serve others. They don't see themselves as above anyone else. It doesn't mean that they're um, at the same level in terms of decision making, but they will see themselves as actually serving others. So, for example, in an ethically led organization, the old kind of hierarchy of the boss sits at the top of the family tree and people are underneath them. Actually, in an ethical leadership stance, the boss or the senior management is at the bottom of the family tree and the people serving customers at the top being supported from below in this kind of inverted triangle and hierarchy, if you like. Um, this is much, much more in approach um, an ethical stance. So the old model of, you know, top down with, you know, you've got the senior um, executive at the top and everybody else working underneath them in an ethical leadership model, it would be flipped. It would be upside down where the ethical leader is making ethical decisions, supporting others above them, if you like. So it's again, it's a mindset. It's a process. It's a way of being and a way of thinking and a way of communicating with others. 
So if you kind of take that on board and think, well, we could explore some of those things, that's actually quite interesting. So there will be some things there that we could do in terms of good practice, how we lead others, how we make good, sound, ethical and well-balanced decisions. Um, it could even be within our team. It doesn't have to be right across the organization. Maybe we start locally. But then how do we kind of monitor this stuff? How do we begin to think of this as being something that we can trace the difference between where we were and where we're going? Well, part two of building an ethical organization is to create a almost like an agreement, if you like, a code, uh, a rule or a set of principles or best practice that can be the agreed foundation of these behaviors, these leadership styles and this kind of decision making. So what we're needing to do here is to create and implement a code of ethics. You may well have heard this phrase and seen this phrase um, sort of over the years. It has been something that has really gathered momentum. Having a code of ethics, a code of principles uh, or practices that are the foundation of how we behave, how we are, how we communicate, how we show respect to all within our sphere of influence. And it is an important thing, having a clear written code of ethics that outlines the company's values and expected behaviours so that we can just really use this as a benchmark, if you like, for how we treat each other, how we treat those outside the organisation. But really importantly, the expectations that we have of ourselves and of others. So that when somebody new is being onboarded into the organization or when you're trying to attract somebody uh, in a recruitment sense, they will be able to see this code of ethical practice and think these people are like-minded souls. The, this is an organization I wanna be part of. This is, this is a group of people who kind of share my principles and my values. And I can see in their code of ethics that they're committed to this. They don't necessarily just talk about it. They actually behave in this way. And so this will be expected of me. And I like that. So you'll see that this can be a very kind of tactical and practical tool that can be used to both measure how you're doing, but also make yourself relevant to like-minded others. And you will find that with a code of ethics, you will begin to attract like-minded other stakeholders. So customers will buy into this because you're my kind of business. You're my kind of brand. Suppliers will be looking to this in the future as being a, a rating and almost like as a scale of expected um, interactions and behaviors so they can align themselves with an organization or business like yours. And it allows you then to really plot that engagement and plot that journey, not only for developing policy, but seeing that implemented out and rolled out over time. So building a code of ethics is a really important thing. And what kinds of um, sort of ethics types can be built into this? Well, you can have compliance based codes. These can be kind of really quite clear cut rules that are um, often sort of you know put in place by your sector, by broader government and requirements um, of you in terms of you know, best practice, but also within your market sector, understanding what is expected. If you have an industry association or if you have some regulations because you're in a regulated market sector, then these things in terms of you know, helping you to understand things you need to be compliant with will almost certainly already be existing. For the rest of us, where it is a little bit more of a um, 
you know, an emerging space, it gives us an opportunity to really set our own. Um, because these will be, um, as the um, slide shows here, intending to promote moral responsibility. So how would we want to come across? What kinds of things would we want to be compliant with? And by setting a code of ethics that has compliance-based codes, we're setting the measure against which we are going to measure our progress and our performance. So these are important things. These are important statements that help us to really understand where are we trying to take this? Can we measure it? Is it tangible? Is it fair? Is it reasonable? And could we, you know, in a smart way, could we actually deliver against them? Second one is value-based codes. This is important too, because again, this is a very nice differential. If you can be focusing on things that really high levels of public good, um, you know, to communities, to sustainability, to the publics, to the environment that you serve. Those kinds of things can really emphasize strong and responsible conduct and behaviors. So again, coming back to that decision-making, value-based codes enable you to measure and benchmark where you are today and then see the progress that you're making against things that are really, really important for people and for planet. So a lot of these are now getting tied into um, things like sustainability. So if you're uh, focusing currently on marketing sustainability, your value-based codes within your code of ethics are going to be really important because they need to be aligned, but they can also be really, really powerful as things to communicate with the outside world as well. And that you may well also have the third of the three uh, code of ethics types, which are professional codes, depending on your particular discipline. Uh, if you're in finance, for example, you will have particular professional codes that you need to follow. Uh, if you're in a law firm, likewise, if you're an architect, any other kind of professional service, likewise, if you're in a very unregulated, a kind of very much more flexible, maybe slightly more vague kind of discipline where there's a lot of crossover, lots of gray areas where, you know, it's not really well understood. Setting yourself some professional codes of conduct where you will set some very high bars to differentiate yourself can also be really advantageous. So compliance-based, value-based and professional, these are the kinds and types of codes of ethics that you really need to be thinking about. So we have leadership, we have a code of conduct here, uh, codes and principles, and then we need to kind of figure out how are we going to actually communicate this stuff? How are we going to roll these things out consistently across our existing organization, but into the future as new people become involved with us? How can we train and develop them so that we can sustain what we might call ethical excellence at every point in time? This is not a one-time exercise. You don't just do this, set the code and then see it gather dust, as I mentioned earlier. This is about continuous education, continuous awareness, continually reinforcing the values and the expectation on everybody so that you can maintain the highest standards of integrity. So ongoing ethics training programs, for example, maybe testing how people are performing, maybe some self-awareness some self-reflection, some self-analysis, maybe some co-working, collaborative stuff. I mean, things like 360-degree reviews, which have been very popular in annual reviews, um, 
for many, many years now, uh, those kinds of times are times when you can actually say, well, okay, let's kind of critique how well I'm doing. Um, And then maybe then setting up some training and development programs for those who may be coming a little bit short, because let's face it, we're all human. A lot of us get distracted. A lot of us get, you know, sort of put out of sync by various kind of personal professional reasons from time to time. This is a great way of bringing people back onto um, this kind of ethical journey um, and behaving more with integrity. So we can make things interactive when we're thinking about training and development. You know, we can do things like workshops and webinars, um, but also put people into, and this is an interesting one, ethical dilemma simulations. In other words, what happens if, and these are great for playing in a team meeting, you know, the scenario planning and kind of sort of putting people into awkward situations where it isn't necessarily where you're going to do role playing, but just really plotting out what would we do if, and when this particular situation um, occurs, how will we react? What is our plan B? What's our contingency if this happens? And it will begin to then introduce as part of the training and development a level of measurement, a level of accountability, and definitely a level of responsibility. Because this will allow us then to kind of identify where, you know, maybe we could do a little bit better. Maybe there are certain things ethically and culturally that we need to be really focusing in on. And what are those things? Can we establish a system of accountability to ensure that when we don't hit these high levels of code of conduct that we have, that there's something we can do about it. We can go to a plan B, a contingency, and or we can integrate some of these improvement ideas within future developments of training and development itself. So it's an ongoing continuous improvement opportunity. As I say, one time, one fix is not the way this works. So what kind of things could we be putting in place? Uh, here's a lovely example from F Learning Studio, and they talk about a whole range of examples of ethics training programs, which um, you know they've been putting into place. So code of conduct training. If we've got ethics uh, conduct um, principles, or we've got this foundation, we need to make sure people are trained in that. Uh, we could be having leadership and ethical role modeling. So actually bringing the leaders in, talking about the culture, talking about our codes of conduct, talking about all the principles here, and actually giving some some modeling um, and good kind of cultural habit building exercises for our leaders to be doing. And again, an ongoing practice. Maybe that gets built into things like um, the performance um, rating and performance expectations. Having things like whistleblower and reporting training. Uh, We'll come on to the whistleblower stuff in a minute. So when things don't quite work out or when things are, excuse me, again, um, when things aren't kind of going well or when things are um, spotted by a particular individual as to be falling very short, if you like, of the expectations of the organization. How do you deal with that? You know, enabling and making sure that everybody understands the process for whistleblowing and reporting back um, when things fall short. We'll we'll look at that in just a moment, but that's really key as part of um, the overall overarching kind of holistic training that we're talking about. 
helping people to make ethical decisions. Again, going back to that whole, we are all leaders kind of principle there. And of course, things like harassment and discrimination prevention. You know, we know that as human beings, we are imperfect. It is the nature of being human. So even though we have all the training um, available to us, even though we have all these codes and principles set and everybody says nominally, yes, I agree to them, there will still be moments where we fall short. It is the nature of humans. So what are we going to do about that to help this thing be a minimal touch, if you like, in terms of, um, you know, sort of occurrence where we have to have remedial action to sort things out. So a lot of these opportunities here for building training programs that are on an ongoing basis, constantly reviewed and refreshed. So potentially this stuff can be really powerful. We have the leadership, we have the codes of practice, and then we have training right across the organization. And nobody really should be exempt from the training. Often you see in organizations, the leadership will make decisions on behalf of the rest of the organization, but then almost consider themselves as, well, we're in leadership roles, so we don't need to be trained. Um, I see this, you know, day in, day out in lots of organizations. So it is something that needs to be addressed. So maybe this is where some external party can come in and guide and advise the leadership so that it's kind of everybody bought in to this. And of course, when we start to look at some of the um, examples of where this has gone very right, but also very, very wrong, we can see examples where things went very, very badly wrong for a host of different reasons. One of the most widely publicized, and this really was widely publicized from a few decades ago, but still very, very pertinent in this whole kind of ethics in action debate, uh, was the Enron scandal. Uh, if you are not aware of the Enron scandal, I'll take you through the process in just a moment. But basically, it was a moment in time within a very, very large organization where ethical standards were completely and utterly neglected, not forgotten, completely neglected. The leadership was, or you could argue, inept. Uh, the leadership completely lost focus on actually why the organization was in business and the value being given and focused purely on profit. Um, really kind of talked about in the anatomy agreed by uh, Brian Kruver. Um, sooner or later, those who win are those who think they can. So basically, the, the quote there coming through that's saying you cannot operate um, a successful business and be unethical because at some point, and the danger of a profit-only focus and the neglect of ethical standards, which is the clear learning point from Enron, is that you will get found out. So the big example from Enron was that it was a company um, sort of back in 2001 who in the um, commodities, energy and um, service um, uh, sector, uh, Houston based in the US, a uh, huge multi-billion um, organization um, kept huge debts and huge debits off the balance sheets. So basically what they were doing is they were fudging the books. Uh, the phrase fudging the books came into play around that kind of time. Um, how they got caught was that there was an internal whistleblower, somebody who got wind of this whole situation and said, Do you know, this is really not right. This is going against everything we stand for as an organization. This is coming from the top. 
um, this kind of unethical behavior um, and very, very um, quickly noticed that high stock prices were being seen as slightly suspicious when the actual behaviors and the customers and the sales within the organization and the way the business was being run did not reflect the very high stock prices. The whole thing fell apart as a result of this whistleblowing. Uh, shareholders lost over $70 billion and thousands of employees and investors lost their retirement accounts and many, many employees, thousands of employees lost their jobs. This was probably the biggest implosion of an ethically driven situation that we've ever seen in commercial history. Um, others have happened since, but this was the big one. This was the one that I guess everybody refers back to. And the simple fact was that ethical behavior was neglected. That was the key principle here. Uh, you could argue it was greed. You could argue it was negligence, but it was the ethics that were underpinning or the lack of ethics that were underpinning this situation. And that was why they got caught. But then go to the other end of the spectrum. That is really at the, the worst end of the spectrum. And almost certainly you and I will never encounter anything as bad as that. But what we can aim for is something down the other end, if you like, the other end of the spectrum. And an often quoted organization, which is a model of ethical uh, integrity, is Patagonia. Patagonia is a business that is in business to save our planet um, the, the founder of Patagonia has said the business actually is a business to save our home planet. This is why we are here. The value that we bring um, is with ethics embedded into everything that we do, into our brand identity, into our operations and into our products. You know, the benefits of a strong ethical stance, this is the key learning point here, is customer loyalty, brand strength and business sustainability and I would say competitive advantage. Nobody in the clothing sector on this planet does it the way Patagonia does. Um, Harvard Business Review says that this is CSR. This is corporate social responsibility at its very best. So if you want to go and see an example of an organization that is at the other end, of the, a model of ethical integrity, do some research on Patagonia. Um, a really simple little example was a recent uh, campaign that they did, which was all about, please don't buy our products. Uh, the Patagonia Don't Buy This Jacket campaign um, was quite astounding, really. As a marketer um, of many, many years, I've always been brought up to believe that our role is to sell product. Our role is to warm up marketplaces so that they're receptive to our products and services. But Patagonia have redefined what perfect marketing is um, by saying it's more about the value that we bring to the world than it is about another commercial sale. So their Don't Buy This Jacket um, initiative was all about reduce what you buy, only buy what you need, repair what you can. Don't just buy this jacket if you can pledge to save what um you already have. Uh, reuse, we'll find and we'll find a home for any other Patagonia gear that you no longer need. Um, you can sell it or pass it on or we'll bring it back to us and we'll recycle it. We'll take back your gear that's worn out. And our pledge is to keep your stuff, and this is their words, to keep your stuff out of landfill and the incinerator. 
And I love this word at the bottom here, this ad is reimagine. Together, we reimagine a world where we take only what nature can replace. Now, that is really ethical. That is such high levels of integrity. Everything they do, they live and breathe ethics and integrity. So this is a great benchmark for all of us. Think about how bad it could be, but also think about how good it can be. And the whole kind of concept of marketing sustainability, sustainable businesses will be the future. Mark Carney, I'm paraphrasing, but Mark Carney, uh, ex-governor of the Bank of England, said this, that businesses who are not sustainable will not be sustainable in the future. So the Patagonia model is the way forward for all businesses in the future. So how can we kind of begin to bring this together where there are many, many tools and resources to help you on the journey to moving your business, your brand uh, or your organization towards a more ethical um, and higher integrity stance? Um, there will be um, a lot of models. Um, one of my favorites uh, here is the PLUS ethical decision-making model, uh, which is all about policies, uh, legality, uh, being universal and self. It talks about this in the Ethics Resource Center, and you can do a search on that to find out more detail. But it's a filter for all decision-making. And remember that we've talked about here, Having a strong ethical presence, a strong ethical stance enables you to be making the right decisions for everything, everyone and everything. So for people and for planet and for profit too. Let's face it, for those of us in a commercial sense, we still need to be making profit, but the right kind of profit. That is what this model is all about. There are also many books and many courses uh, that you can look into. Um, some of my favorites are Ethics 101 uh, by John C. Maxwell, and that will give you a really good basic understanding of ethical principles. Um, there's also um, Jeffrey Sieglin's book, which has a lot of real world examples of ethical dilemmas. And that's the book, The Right Thing, Conscience, Profit and Personal Responsibility in Today's Business. That's a really strong book that gives you lots of examples that you can either replicate or avoid, depending on the situation that you face. If you want to do some online courses, there are some really useful uh, courses you can look into. Uh, Coursera has a, a course uh, called Ethical Leadership through giving voice to values, uh, which is for how to integrate um, strategies that build upon the values that you have. Um, and a lot of people looking into marketing sustainability now, putting purpose and value at the core of everything they do, not just product and service at the core of everything. The product and service is how you deliver your values. Um, and this goes into much greater detail and helps and guides you step by step through how to do this. Because a lot of what we're talking about here, you know, sounds good on paper. It would sound good in a strategic planning session, but we've got to get practical too. So that course will hopefully um, enable you to give voice to the values that you have. And also LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn's learning um, has a business ethics, uh, which will give you a great overview. Uh, if you search in LinkedIn uh, learning, um, search just simply the topic business ethics, and you'll find a great overview of um, ethical business practices. And of course, once you delve into these, a lot of examples, a lot of spin-off courses and modules and books uh, and resources and white papers are available for you. So I always find that's a really good thing to do. 
And the final tool and resource to think about um, is to be creating a mechanism for reporting or the phrase to search here is whistleblowing. Uh, the Journal of Business Ethics has come up with a, a range of different whistleblowing systems. Uh, and these are worth searching for because as you put this stuff into practice, if you're doing this stuff with due diligence, you need to be creating a self-reporting or a self-policing or self-monitoring system within any changes or codes of conduct or any kind of policies or procedures that you put in place. It's really important to have a secure and anonymous reporting system, because if you're doing this genuinely and really and properly, you should have an anonymous, secure way of somebody being able to say, guys, you failed at this, or I need to just shout out so somebody can come in and just check out. We claim this and we claim that, and I'm not convinced we're actually doing it. Having this situation, having this reporting system in place allows you then to have best practices for responding to this kind of reporting and protecting whistleblowers so that people are encouraged and incentivized to come forward when you're not hitting and meeting the high standards or the codes of conduct or principles that you've set. So by having this kind of self-reporting and self-guiding and opening this up in an anonymous way so that anybody feels confident for coming forward, then the last thing would ever happen to you in your organization is an Enron situation. And constantly then you can be striving more towards the Patagonia end of the spectrum. So that's the third part of this kind of final kind of journey of practicality, if you like, for building ethical behavior and integrity within your organization. And integrity really is doing the right thing, even when no one is watching. I just really love this C.S. Lewis quote, doing the right thing, even when no one is watching. You will know when you're behaving with integrity because it just feels right. As humans, we have an intuitive and innate feeling and sense of what the right thing is. And if you're feeling guilty or you're questioning how or what you've done, then you know possibly there is work to be done. And I love that quote because it's just so simple. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. And Warren Buffett as well talks about in looking for people to hire, look for three qualities, integrity, intelligence, and energy. And if they don't have the first, the other two will kill you. I love that. It's so brutally honest. If you hire people just because they're good, just because they're exciting, just because they've got a great CV or portfolio, but they don't have integrity, then they are going to eat your business from within. So integrity is one of the core key pillars of successful business. And Warren Buffett should know, one of the richest people on the planet who's clearly invested in many, many thousands of really successful businesses and organizations. So it really is inherent on, and, and on all of us, and it is you know, essential that we all focus on ethical behavior and integrity. The most successful businesses in the future from this point forward will be the ones that exhibit, behave, and have at the heart of everything they do, integrity. 
So the three key kind of takeaways here uh, from this particular session that I'd like to encourage you to, to be thinking about and taking forward is, is really kind of an understanding of the complexity of this thing. It's not easy to do. So what you need to do is really get an understanding of ethics and its pivotal role in business. So read a lot more. Do some of those uh, those little um, short courses, do some searches, do some reading and some thinking around this. What do we need? What would we like? This is going to be really important. Build some strategies. Start to get this into your planning. Start to talk about how you might integrate this into your marketing and communications, how you might integrate this into next year's plans. Because if you can get some concrete steps, not only for your leaders, but also for you to embed ethics inside the organization, then this is going to give you competitive advantage commercially and also strategically going forward. And remember the tools. There are a wealth of resources out there to assist you in setting up your new ethical standards and codes of practice and your leadership styles and the way you're going to set up your processes and systems for this. But it will also help you to uphold them. And that's the key. So plot it, plan it, decide about how you're going to use this to build on the purpose and the high level values that you have. And this whole concept, this whole idea, this whole mantra of behaving ethically and with integrity will be going forward at the heart of everything you do within your organization for commercial advantage, but also for sustainability into the future.